Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. It's Thursday the 2nd of February. Top Thursday. After result dependent, Aidan always is, as I say, all the time. I'm Tony Haggerty, at a Haggerty 10 Twitter handle. And I'm joined today, three amigos reassembled, joined today by Sean Martin at Sean Martin TCW and at and Aidan McDonald at Aidan C. McDonald. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? Yeah, good morning. Yourself? Yes, I'm. I'm feeling good. Yes, another slick Celtic performance last night. We'll get to that in the fullness of time. I'll just draw everybody's attention to the ticker tape running along the bottom of your screen, and you can join us. Subscribe to the Celtic Way. It will cost you two pounds for two months, or full access to everything that we write on the website and all the stuff that we do. You can contribute to producing top quality journalism, covering a club like no other, Celtic content, we do that to the best of our ability. Hit the button, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. There's always something on the website for everybody, Aidan and Sean would agree with that. And we also say thank you to Seneca, who are our new sponsors, the Celtic Way Morning Briefing. Is now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group and Seneca are the number one hair transplant company in Europe and they offer innovative hair restoration treatments. You can find out more about Seneca via the links in the description of this video. Gentlemen, a 3-0 win over Livingston last night. Brian Roberts nails it there. Morning, Brian. Happy belated birthday to you, Brian. Morning, guys. Another satisfactory night at the office. That's exactly what it was. First goal goes in, Sean, and you kind of hit a comfort zone. The kind of result was never in any doubt. It's the same as Tannadice on Sunday. Took me a while to get the breakthrough goal at Tannadice, but as soon as Taylor scored last night, I knew you would be off the couch and jumping around and shouting and going mental. But a fine strike from a player who was sadly missed in his absence, and you can tell. He was, aye, and uh, he's, he says himself after it, he's getting a wee bit prolific against Livingston because he yeah. didn't seem to score against anybody else, really. But, I did like that. Um, nah, he, he played well, I thought. I thought the, the team played well in general. You're right, it took a wee, a wee bit to get the breakthrough again. But uh, And I remember I texted my, text my pal saying, uh, is it going to be one of those games where it's hard fought 1-0? Or is it going to be once you score one, you score three or four? And thankfully it was that, it was the latter, and... Uh, your old da here get the, the, the scoreline spot on for once. It had to happen at some I, stage again. I, I did. Uh, we spoke in the group chat last night. You'd actually forgotten that you'd got I the, the scoreline correct, Aidan. So you've been displaced as the goat, Aidan. Sean <laughs> currently got the yellow jersey and a Tour de France style. Uh, again, Aidan, a uh, satisfactory performance indeed. Lots of individually good performances, but as a, a collective, uh, clinical and professional team performance and I get I agree with Raymond Harden three points to bag and that's another game ticked off chopped off call it what you like on the countdown to the business end of the season as Hans calls it yeah it was ideal really for the time of the year to be getting a result like that and the comment was completely right it was pretty much job done uh, as soon as that first goal went in you didn't really feel like there was any danger that Celtic were going to give up too much in the game Obviously, some they always there's always like the odd mistake keeping in, maybe they always a goal, but even then there wouldn't have been any sort of worries that Celtic weren't going to get the three points. And the the team overall, it was a sort of really good positive team performance and back to front. And as 
obviously you just touched on it. It was really good to see Greg Taylor back and getting on the score sheet as well. It was some finish to be fair to him. Yeah. The, the, the odd mistake there, Sean, was that in reference, coded reference to Starfelt falling on his backside um, with the help from Bruce well, Anderson. I thought he well, could have... David Ferguson's already mentioned Starfelt. He said, how good was he? Um, I don't know, Aidan, is that what you were... Is that what you were alluding to? Do you think it was fouled, put it that way, or do you think it was just a just a misjudgment? I think there might have been a foul on it. To be honest, I was more actually thinking about there was one in the second half. I think Joe Hart sort of miskicked a, a pass. He just didn't put enough on it. Like, yeah, yeah, it was behind Hitati. You know, that was... Out of that. Some composure, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> there was even less in that pass, or even like a wee bit less power, then it probably just fell right to the Lawrence player pretty much. But apart from that... It's probably just nitpicking, but yeah, I think Starfield may have been fouled to be fair for that one, but yeah, that was in my head. Ryan O'Hare, never in doubt last night, brilliant. Yep, your reasoning for a 3 0 win was sound, Sean. There you go. Uh, Tony, what's your, what's your own opinion on the, the Starfield thing? I, I didn't think it was fouled, I thought he just I thought he just totally misjudged I it. Thought it was was from that. I yeah. thought he was a bit weak. I don't think Bruce Anderson didn't do anything that any other striker would have done in that situation. Can I? We'll give me a lean where we nudge, no, we can uh, push and chance your arm and see if you can get away with it. And you can, mm-hmm. but I, I also feel that's the kind of what we've spoken about about the centre back position, you know, and kind of going, I don't know, his body shape looked a bit clumsy as he, as he went to deal mm-hmm. with it in the first place. He was kind of off balance anyway, and the slightest touch was going to put him down. And normally, in those situations, you, you maybe do get a free kick, but. Referee chose to give the benefit of the doubt to the attacker, and I, I questioned at the time. I, I thought it was just very unlucky that he hit the inside of the post. But they were saying in commentary that they thought Joe Hart got a glove to it. If he did, or a fingertip, then it's a brilliant save, and mm-hmm. it's a pretty crucial save as well. A, a big time. It's a big moment in the match. So I'll give Joe Hart the benefit of the doubt on that and say mm-hmm. he did get a fingertip to it, or uh, it stayed out thankfully. But I thought a uh, it's not me beating Starfield, Starfield over the head. I just thought, yeah, Michael Duffin, he was definitely off balance. He was off balance, going for it. So he, it looked like a clumsy attempt to deal with the situation in the first place. And I wasn't surprised when he when he fell down because Bruce Anderson's going in because mm. he spotted it and taken advantage of it. So there you go. But I, I very was very surprised. All I felt for me, said Derek Crawford's body position was all wrong. Yep, totally agree with that. I think his body position was all wrong. But... Uh, as I say, I still thought he had a, a cracking game for um, what they had to deal with, you know, because Bruce Anderson no. was a lone striker. And, hmm. you know, well, that's I mean, the thing. I, I, that's, that's, that's the argument I would make. I think both of them played well, but then they had nothing to deal with. And I think you can see that in the stats because, well, let's take staff out first. No tackles, no interceptions, no clearances. About one six out of eight headers. That's 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 all. That's the sum total of his defensive yeah. uh, performance. But I would suggest that's maybe because, one, they weren't troubled, and two, when they were troubled, it, it was more of a... Yeah, a kind of positioning game rather than a an actively tackling and intercepting kind of game. But you look at Carter Vickers, and this is where it's not just on Starfield. This is why I think that's the type of game it was because Carter Vickers also no tackles, no interceptions. He made four clearances right enough and won all six of his uh, his uh, his aerial duels. But I think that to me tells you they were lumping it, they were heading it away, and for the vast majority of the game, it was about their positioning rather than actually yeah. up against someone physically. Albeit that that stuff out one sticks in your head because it's it's the only time they were really yes. bothered. Um, yeah. But I think I both both played well enough. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Aidan. I was Cameron Carter because I think I said in my player 
breaking that he just reads situations very well. I think there was one when uh, was it Obelai tried to do a week in a pivot and turn and staff uh, Cameron Carter Vickers just appeared from nowhere as if giving the ball. You don't know what you're doing with it or you're, you're just pirouetting and trying to advance. Just give me it and I'll deal with it. And he did. And I think that's what he brings. But we'll get on to individual performances, Aidan. There were a lot of good individual performances. Now, in my player ratings, nobody get higher than an eight, but lots of people got an eight. Mm. Is that right, Sean? Just remind yep. me, lots, lots got an eight. Yeah, but I'll put the I'll put the link in as well to the. Yeah, but I thought the defence was terrific. You know, Greg Taylor got the man of the match as voted for last night. Uh, you can argue the toss on that one. Thought Hatati was excellent. Thought Alistair Johnston was excellent. We've spoken about the two central defenders. And I even thought Matt O'Reilly had a cracking game. I, I must admit, Tony, I was surprised you gave him a seven. I thought he, I thought he played really well last night. Yeah, um, well, uh, he was up there for me. Yeah, uh, and a brilliant pass for Kyogo's goal. Excellent vision. Yeah, Johnson was great. So, do you agree with that, Aidan? Who did? Would you have had a star man last night, or did you agree that the collective was? was pretty good last night. I know somebody has to get the man of the match because it's sponsors and that's what they do, but every most people who played well last night get an eight in my my ratings. You know, I think you were bang on with that, Tony, to be honest, not putting what an, an individual star man because the overall team performance was excellent. If I was sort of having to pick one, it would have maybe probably been between Greg Taylor or Hitati. Just I thought they were both excellent, but plenty of brilliant honourable mentions, you know, Maida, Derek's talking about there. Uh, also, O'Reilly looks a really good performance. And he's obviously been kind of in and out of the team recently because of how good Aaron Moy's been. And the fact that Aaron Moy didn't start and would have probably surprised quite a few people. So I think it was positive that O'Reilly came in and gave a really good account of himself. Kyogo as well was excellent. I mean, his finish for that third goal was superb. Even though he maybe wasn't in the game a lot, that was brilliant. And yeah, it, as they touched on, the defence was good as well. So no, I think that was bang on, Tony. It was a really good team performance, so can't complain about not having that. Sean, yeah. Sean, you agree with that? Uh, Maida was excellent, and mm-hmm. I think the manager was asked a question after it by Celtic TV, and he said, was there any doubt when Kyogo picked up that ball that he was going to score? But he still had a lot to do. It was still mm-hmm. a wonderful pass from O'Reilly, and great to see O'Reilly getting back to that, because he tried a lot of risky stuff last night. Well, tried the forward-thinking stuff last night, which I liked about O'Reilly. It's easy to retreat into your shell, and once you've been rotated and think, all right, I'll just ease myself back in. But he was yeah. kind of back to that last night, the give-and-goes and the clever stuff, I thought. I thought he played well. Um, I think there's a comment here, I'll, I'll just... Uh, Derek Crawford, it's a conversation between him and Pete McGee, but Derek Crawford says he thinks the whole tempo slowed right down when the changes were made. Uh, which is just natural, but he wants to. Ange wants to keep the the tempo for the whole ninety minutes. On that note, came actually comes in saying Ange is man of the match. <laughs> uh, but what I would say to that is, um, f- to me, the first half was better. Right, that it was it was a kind of better eye test mm-hmm. performance. But statistically, they created about the same in terms of kind of volume and quality of chances in each half, okay. which I think is a good reflection of the attitude of the players and the level of substitutes that come on. Um, albeit they didn't get quite as many high quality chances as usual. Um, on that note, I'm always talking to you about uh, like the the trend lines in the the past networks. I've I've actually dug out both from last night just so I can show you rather than always just talking about it. So the trend lines here, 
uh, first and foremost, and that's basically just a wee graph for the duration of the game showing who created chances and when. And you can see Celtic are the yellow one. Celtic are clearly well ahead. And the Andrew Shinney one off the post is the only kind of jut that you see in the Livingston one, just about the 40th minute mark there. So Celtic, for, well, for virtually all the game, Livy caught them at one point just at half-time. And then beyond that, it was just Celtic the whole game. Um, for for me, that tells me that the subs actually did do quite well. And when you look at it, I think Turnbull got stuck in when he came on. Because I'm saying that Carter Vickers and Starfield never had anything defensively in terms of tackles, interceptions and stuff. Turnbull was on for, what, 27, 28 minutes or something, same as same as Aaron Moy. Was it even, maybe yeah. even less than Aaron Moy? Um, can't remember if they came on at the same time. But Turnbull came out with Celtic's highest tackles in, uh, and an interception into the, into the bargain as well. So I think he gets stuck in when he came on, which is all you can ask for. Um, Aaron Moy was saying he was in good form. He came on, he only got again about 27 minutes. Tied for most key passes in the game in his 27 minutes. So, again, I think the subs came on and, and did well. So, although Derek's right that the tempo probably did slow down because you were 2 3 0 up fairly early on in, in the matches in the grand scheme of things, I think the subs the subs did well. Yeah, even I thought Daddy Cool was all over the place when he came on, or Aaron, <laughs> Aaron Moy, Aaron, Aaron Moy, to give him his. Uh, he did a, did a cracking interview where he said his kids are now singing it to him and his wife sometimes sings it to him as well. Do you mean yeah. all over the place, as in, like, everywhere? Or all well, over I remember the grass, in, not all over the place, as right. in a shambles, I think, was just like, everywhere. Uh, when he came on, as you say, that so that, that would bear out the, the, the stats and what you're watching, Aidan, but, it, it, you know, even getting a full game all 27 minutes, it shows that guys are just prepared to have that impact and do what the manager tells them when they do, when they do come on, all, all they're rotated out. And Aaron Moy still had a, a big impact on that game in that 27 minutes he was on. Yeah, he did. And I think that just shows you how influential he's becoming in the team, even when he's coming on for not cameo, but shorter appearances, he's still making a big impact. Which, obviously, before Sean put up the stats there, it may have not seemed as clear to people because obviously there wasn't any goals in the second half. But he, he was still really good. And that just shows you how strong, really, the team and the squad is at the moment. Which, it's, it's a good time to have the squad a good chunk of them playing well, particularly in the sort of midfield positions, because you know there's going to be plenty of important games between now and the end of the season. So I always do say if you've got subs on that are contributing, even if they're not always scoring and getting assists, if they're coming on and doing well and keeping the tempo up, then that's really important. Yeah, Derek's saying there, Moise, a joy to watch. His vision is superb and he very rarely gives a ball away. Couldn't agree more with that, Sean. I think um, Andrew Galea also came in about Moy saying he's very mobile for towing a caravan as Aaron Moy. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I still think there's a massive difference between his his, his kind of his, his energy levels now compared to when he first came. Um, but even that, I think his strength is kind of underrated. His strength on the ball very rarely does he allow himself to be nudged off balance or, or not keep possession of the ball if he's in a one-on-one that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, and on top of that. As, uh, as as Derek just said, his vision's superb as well. And you're, you're seeing that now, which is a, the kind of criticism I had earlier. Um, when he was getting up to speed, he was playing it a bit safe a lot. You yeah. don't necessarily see that now. He's playing those passes that he's, he's always been capable of playing and uh, he's hitting top form. That said, again, I'll go back to it. I think Matt O'Reilly had a really good game. So that yeah. as, as just makes it more difficult again for the predicted 11s yeah. for the weekend. So, How dare Ange sign Aaron Moy for hee-haw, Aidan? How dare he do that, eh? I know shocking signing good players and well, I was going to say small fee. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I th- and I think it is one when Armley came in, maybe we did think he was somebody that was going to just be covered and not play a lot of football. And I think at the time, given how good Hattati, McGregor, O'Reilly and even Turnbull in the amount of games he played last season, I think that was probably a fair assumption at the time, but there's no doubt that he, I know he didn't start last night, but I think you know going forward he is one of the first names in the team sheet really at the moment. Tony, do you know how I've always got on, I said I'd get graphics up and all that, I've got another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, know how I'm always going on about the way domestically Celtic yeah. a game plays out with Celtic based on their formation and it's not really 4-3-3 because in practice they spend more time in the opposition yeah. half all that kind of stuff well last night's pass map is kind of a stereotypical great example of what, I'm, what I am what I mean that I can show you visually so Joe Hart obviously is there back back at his, his own box but alright both centre backs are technically in the Celtic half but beyond that Everybody is piled into the, the Livingston half. And this is what mm. I mean by so basically two, three, two, three, four, one or two, three, five is what you can see. I mean you can clearly see it. So they're obviously that that is just the way that the nature of a Celtic game domestically tends to play out. Um and you can see the fullbacks up there with the basically the fullbacks are the midfield with McGregor and the rest are all an attacking kind of quintet and attacking quartet with behind Kyogo as a focal point. So I think it's just um just to give you a wee I will look at what I'm talking about when I mention that that's what a pass network is. That, that that's what I mean. That's that's generally what they look like with Celtic and domestic football because they're just they're just so dominant. They're in the opposition half the majority of the game. I was going to go all Groucho Marx on you there, Sean, and say why a four-year-old child can understand that. <laughs> go and run out and get me a four-year-old child because I can't make head nor tail of it. <laughs> yeah. One of what I will say is, come back to the subs point, right? You look at them there. That's the starting eleven, obviously, right? And by the way, the, the, the kind of darker red you are, the more you were involved. So, Starfelt shows up well. Derek, uh, you're right with that. Uh, David Ferguson said it as well. Jota on the right and Maida on the left. Who'd have thought it? Both of them doing well on the respective wings, Tony. Um, yes. But I, I think everybody... Basically, this is reinforcing what people are, are saying yeah. in the comments. It's not it's not disproving it. It's, it's, it's reinforcing that you're right in who you're saying with, with the standout players. Um the only other thing I would add, going back to the subs, Tony, eight different Celtic players made at least one key pass, including three subs. So almost half of the players that made a key pass were subs. Again, I think as much as I agree with Derek that the, the tempo does dip slightly, especially if McGregor goes off, I just think that that speaks to the, the overall intent, the overall attitude that they've got. Aidan, you make head not tell that spaghetti junction. That making sense, which Sean's telling you. It's, make, it's making sense. I'm, I'm being flippant. Yeah, no, it, it does, and I'm not surprised to see the players that I thought were kind of involved, you know, had the most touches or progressing the ball the most. That is the way that it's kind of turned out in that graph because, it, you know, the centre-backs were very sort of far forward. I know they were just in the Celtic half, but, you know, they were moving the ball quickly. The wingers were involved. They looked a threat all the time, and the midfield was really good. So, yeah, it was just a kind of overall really good team performance, and I, I don't want to repeat myself, but I think you did call it spot on, Tony, when you just you know, gave quite a few players eights and maybe didn't have a enough star man because the team was almost the star man, really. Yeah. Now, Sean, I wanted to pick up. I don't want to dwell on VAR uh, a lot, but am I right in thinking Kyogo's goal? There was two VAR checks. Uh it was checked for offside and checked right. for a foul. I for think. Foul. I don't know why it was checked for offside because he was nowhere near it. But uh, the foul, I think, was the Matt O'Reilly, which is, is just that- strength. It was just up the body yeah. strength. They just shrugged them off. Um, is that the first so. time that's happened in VAR in my 
I don't know. My knowledge, uh, they've uh, checked for two things, an offside and a foul. I, I can't remember VAR. I don't know if it's the first time they've announced it, but I don't think it's the first time they've checked because it's been, right, kind, okay. of, it's been a kind of running, a running joke that they're, they're looking at. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think but, but the reason I mentioned it was because uh, there was a great line from Peter Grant who, ran say, yeah, TV, who said they were checking to see if Joe Hart was offside, mm-hmm. which I thought was uh, spectacularly funny. Uh, uh, good on Peter Grant, but I, I've just, I just found it a, a curiosity more than anything else that having decided that it wasn't a foul, then decided that it might have been an offside or, or the other way about. You know, I just I just found that a bit bizarre. But it, as you say, Sean, I strength by Matt O'Reilly, wonderful pass, and he was nowhere near offside because he's ran past the guy, hasn't he? So, aye, I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was nowhere near. I offside. told you that he wasn't offside with the Matt O'Reilly one. Initially, I wasn't sure if it was the Matt O'Reilly shrug or the kind of the the, the instant that won the possession back. Either way, it wasn't a foul. But the Matt O'Reilly one that was just really good upper body strength to shove up to shrug. Uh, to shrug somebody off in an even better vision to see if Kyogo's run. Yeah, indeed. He did 21 for the season for Kyogo, and he's had that wee lull where he was ranked rotten, allegedly, uh, for a few games. So, yes, indeed, we've spoken about how many we think he can get, but it's just uh, it's a, an outstanding season for him so far, isn't it? So far, and it's not finished. Yeah, no, it's, it's been excellent and he's managed to sort of go pretty much most of the season without picking up an injury. I know there was the, he did hurt his uh, shoulder, touch wood I should say, yeah. <laughs> I know he did hurt his shoulder against Rangers and he didn't then start the Real Madrid game, but if I remember rightly, he was pretty much back in after that, so he didn't actually, and he came on the sub against Real Madrid as well, so he didn't actually miss a full game, whereas, you know, last season he did have his issues with his hamstring and that, etc. So, as long as he doesn't know more of that between the end of the season, I I know we've kind of talked about numbers, but I, I would say it's not unrealistic to think he'd maybe get at least another nine goals to get up to 30, if not higher on that. So, no, it's positive. I know in previous seasons, really since Moussa Dembele probably, it, there's always been, like, you know, a Celtic player, maybe a striker when it was Edward, you know, maybe 24, 25, 26, but there's always been a lot of players getting like 10, 11 goals or maybe just under that. But I, I think it is good to have the goals shared across the team, but I think just me personally, I always like seeing a striker get like, you know, 30, 30 plus, just mm. that sort of, maybe talisman isn't the right word, because it's not, I'm not saying we're just relying on Kyogo to get Celtic out of danger every game or anything like that, or drag points out, maybe at one point, you know, what like they did with loss and all that or whatever, but I think it is good to also just have somebody bang in the goals. Sean, in the group chat last night, there was a moment where you had your heart in your mouth because you thought Kyogo was... Aye, it looked, it looked a sore one. I thought he might, yeah. I thought he might have been gubbed, but um, no, he was all right. He came back on, ran it off, and then um, I, no, I, 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 actually on that note, when he came off, what did you make of O when he came on? Because I, I thought he did quite well. Yeah, I thought he looked good. I like the look of O. Yeah, I, he's uh, he's going to cause defenders problems once he gets up to speed, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, there was, a, there was a couple of, couple of moments where I thought he was kind of kind of snatching a wee bit. Yeah, it was control, but there was one moment where he did that, and then he, he didn't let it fluster him, and he picked out quite a really, a really nice crossfield pass yeah. over to was it Abada? I can't remember. It might have been Abada, but um, so I, I thought, I thought he did all right, and I think the more that you see him, even though it might be few and far between, if Kyogo keeps scoring, um, yeah. the, the better he'll get. The the oh what a night headline is kind of in a shell as we call it, isn't it? You know, yeah. ready, it's ready to 
ready to go. Aidan isn't it? Uh, Sean said once he scores his first goal, but I think once he gets off the mark, and you know, a lot of players maybe try too hard to impress. I'm not saying he was trying too hard to impress last night, but but you can see the nugget of a player there, can't you? You can see that there's certain things that they do, and you just look at them at first glance and you think, yeah, you've got something about you. Yeah, definitely. I think he's got that sort of good balance of like physicality and also being quite fast as well by the looks of it. I think probably Yakimakis maybe, if we're just comparing them briefly, given that it looks like at the moment O's kind of being brought in as somebody that's maybe going to be a replacement for him or going to be playing ahead of him. Uh, obviously, Yakimakis is really good finisher on physical, but not the quickest. Whereas of O, obviously we don't know how good his finishing prowess is going to be yet until he hopefully gets a few goals, but he seems to be relatively quick and also really good at holding players off, which is maybe that pace is the one thing that Yakimak has lacked a wee bit. So if he's able to get similar finishing numbers to him, then it sh- he should be a good player. But, yeah, no, he looked good. I mean, that's his two cameos now, sort of, that I think. and you know, he played a wee bit more yesterday. That I think he's looked impressive. And I know we touched on the Dundee United game. He was unlucky not to get an assist. So, yeah, uh, overall, it has looked positive. But it, it, he's going to you know, have to play a wee bit more before we can get a bit more of a proper look at him. It was a wonderful night for Sean because not only did Greg Taylor score, but Dyson Maida scored. Sean was telling us earlier on in the season about Dyson Maida's goal scoring prowess. Took him up to eight for the season. Sean's that right? Yep. He's a pest, he's a menace, he's a nightmare to play against, but wonderful that he's on your team, isn't it? Because he's just he just doesn't give you a moment's peace in that. I thought he was excellent last night as well. Eight goals, five assists. So I don't think that can be sniffed at. Very good no. return. And I know in the Champions League campaign in particular, he's missed chances stuck in people's minds. But overall, um, and to his credit, and this is kind of what Ange Postecoglou was getting at last night, about constantly making the runs, he'll get in the positions yeah, yeah. he's meant to be in. In the Champions League, if you do want to see a silver lining in his missed chances, is that he was there to miss the second, third and fourth missed chances rather than um, rather than Granty Shelling not making the runs after missing the first sitter. Um, yeah. And I know that's scant consolation because he still missed the other one's height, but... But that, that's the way I would choose to look at it if you want a silver lining with it. And, and I do want a silver lining with it because I back him up constantly. So, And he's in those positions because he was asked a question at the end of it's not by accident that he gets those goals. Now, two of his recent goals have been by the defender cannon in the ball or somebody touching the ball and it hitting off him and getting in. But he's in that position, so that's the risk you take because he's always, he's always in those danger areas, Aidan. Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, a bit of cliche, but if he's not in that position, he's not going to score. So there's definitely some thinking behind it. And I think Sean does make a good point there, talking about the, the Champions League with Maida. I mean, firstly, he wasn't the only one that missed chances. I don't want to go back over it, but pretty much all the forward players missed opportunities. We, we kind of agreed at the time they should have been scoring or doing better with. But the fact that he did kind of keep going and keep getting in those positions, not like his head go down, is probably a marker what he's like as a player. I think overall he's... Obviously, stats-wise, you can see he's maybe got a bit better than last season. I know he's obviously had a full, a full, he's going to have a full campaign rather than just joining in January. But I think he's technically has improved definitely since he came to Celtic. I think his technique is a lot better. And some of the finishes have been excellent. I mean, the one at Ibrox is probably the one that springs to mind for a lot of people. But, you know, that's right at the start of the game, the first sort of real chance. It was just a few minutes in, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. he just came in and stroked that pass. It was excellent. And uh, I think he's the goal at Hart Tynecastle as well. In that game, when I think it was a shot and then it bounced back and just had it straight in. So I think he's, he technically has improved from when he came in last season because I don't know if he maybe would have been able to do that, maybe particularly not straight away like he did in the Rangers game. So 
yeah, Maida has been a real positive, and yeah, they, they, I'm sure they'll be getting more goals by the end of the season because he, he keeps. What a finish that was last night, though. Yeah, I know, superb. <laughs> but uh, he's also on the goal at Easter Road as well. Yeah, Derek Crawford. Do we think all our wingers, apart from a bad and Forrest, are better on the left? I personally think Maida, Jotun, Haxabanovic are better on the left. You agree with that? No, I agree with him. I think, I think that if you're going to put a label on them, I think yes, a bad and Forrest are the right wingers, and the other three are better on the left, but. As I say, last night, Jota played in the right, again, had a good game, I thought. Maida played in the left, had a really good game, could have been man of the match. You can switch them, and they've both had those kind of games as well, within the same game. Um, you had, tail end of last season, you had Maida switching wings again, with Jakimakis up front and different things. Um, I don't see it as a problem, unless it becomes a, a genuine problem for Ange Postecoglou, because... Um, said yesterday I got Alan Morrison he'd done a, a piece for the website earlier in the season Jota right or left and he's productive no matter what wing you're on so it almost doesn't matter it's just kind of what, what one you want you want the one that sets things up you want the one that scores who do you pair him with because if it's with Abada then any of those three can play on the left um, any of them can play on the right as well I mean Haxabanovic has played on the right as well um, what, I, what I would really like to see is I want to see Haxabanovic in the same team as Jota for a full game or as close to a full game as you can get, uh, just to see what it's like. But as I say, I always back up Maida, so I'm not really all that concerned because whatever one you pick, whether it's left or right, they tend to produce. So I think Aidan, the manager, wants these wingers that to be fluid when they can just switch and be interchangeable. And as you say, Sean, they're as effective on the right as they are on the left. So, and it augurs well. Yeah, I think Abada and Forrest are natural right wingers, but the rest can, you know, just... Mm-hmm. switch wings whenever they want at will and I think that's that's a good thing to have because it can also confuse opponents at times as well can't it it can uh, Aidan I'm going to throw that one at you even though Derek's addressed it <coughs> does, that, um, does that mean that Celtic may need another right winger for Europe next season then um, in the sense that Abad and Forrest are the, the right wingers and the other guys are, are more left wingers eh uh, maybe uh, to be honest I think that's one of the positions that Celtic have got the most depth in now, I don't want to preempt anything, but you know, players can always potentially move on in the summer window. If that was to then be the case, I'm sure there would be more brought in. But as much as I know Abada and Forrest are designated as the right wingers, like you've just said, Jota's featured there plenty of times this season. So in Europe, I think I'd be comfortable with him and then maybe Maida on the left, etc. Even Haxibanovic. But just when we're going through the names there, it's the amount of depth in those positions is. It's been really, really good recruitment. I mean, apart from uh, Forrest, that's all Ange signings. So it's clearly in a position he felt he'd identified when he came in. And he obviously, he's done that across now, what, three, four transfer windows. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been really positive. Could there, maybe, there might be another one to come in uh, if he's maybe thinking about Europe. But I, I wouldn't say it's the sort of main position that's a priority at the moment. I'd imagine there's other areas in the summer he'll want to strengthen first. Tony, JJ McGavry coming in saying he would like to see Haxabanovic and Jota on the wings with Maida through the middle for a game just to see how it goes. Um, I'm going to say this, right? You're saying four transfer windows, Aidan. <coughs> He's built this squad despite what the narrative might be, as <coughs> I said the other week. Yeah, um, He's basically not spent money, if you want to be truthful about the actual meaning of spending money. Uh, Celtic have simply recruited within their own means. 
and I think that's a remarkable job. But it leads me to a comment that I favourited about yeah. 25 minutes ago that I wanted to bring up, which is a wee uh, tip of the hat to the Parkhead um, DJ. Did you get it? Did you see it at halftime? Tam Mack coming in saying Parkhead DJ playing the verse. Lucky man at halftime was class. Totally agree. Thought it was a uh, thought it was a nice wee a nice wee uh, inclusion in the, the halftime playlist. Happiness, more or less, eh, didn't it? <laughs> the DJs do a raise, I think, after that. that was, yeah, <laughs> you reckon? It's a great tune. It's a great tune as well, but it kind of yeah. sums it all up, doesn't it? But yeah, uh, you have to hat tip to the, the man spinning the platters at matter on the, the decks at Celtic Park. Indeed, that was a, a good choice of of music. Yeah, and I think, as you say, Sean, it's, <clears throat> it does feed into that narrative that, you know, and that... You just look at that strength and depth and you, you understand the way the manager goes about his business. You've assembled that team, as you say, without actually spending money. It's it's incredible, isn't mm-hmm. it, really? I mean, it's it's uh, it's actually amazing when you think about it. And you don't want to go back to the kind of, oh, where they've came from, all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. this is a manager that used his intimate knowledge of transfer markets around the world not just insular markets, but, you know, expanding global markets. And, you know, and to, to the credit, he's brought them in. They've all settled into the Celtic way of, of playing under Ange. And uh, you, you have to turn and say it's, it's, it's a remarkable job, really. It is. And, I mean, I've, I've put the link into my kind of my own transfer window, uh, kind of taking stock piece that I did there. It was up yesterday. And, and in that, again, I, I mentioned it to you yesterday, or you yesterday as well, Tony, but... The way where the, where this transfer window fell in, a club that, including Celtic in previous years, a club that didn't have a coherent identity in terms of what they want from a market and what they needed, and just went on kind of that bubble that tends to form around a transfer window. Mm-hmm. The fact that it was after a World Cup, which was a first, and it was a mid-season window, which is notoriously treacherous, that could easily that could easily upset the apple cart that clubs look at Chelsea. You, you give a lot. To do to convince me that they've actually signed who they need, they've just signed. If you know what I mean, because of the, the yeah. market that's there, uh, Celtic have signed what they needed for the positions they needed, and they've done it efficiently and swiftly without breaking the bank. And I, I what I basically say then that is the biggest compliment I can pay them. With all that going on, is they kept acting like Celtic throughout the window. They never let themselves get. I called it a swamp. They never let themselves get sucked into that swamp. That the mid-season transfer window plus a world a post-world cup transfer window could be, and. For that reason, I think they deserve a lot of credit. And that's not just Ange Postacoglu, that's Michael Nicholson and Mark yeah. Lowell as well. Yeah, Aiden's, Aiden's sitting there shaking his head saying, but they never signed Moussa Dembele. <laughs> that right, Aiden? The dream's not over yet, Tony, right? He didn't actually leave Leo on, so... <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah but just sort of to repeat what Sean says, the transfer business has been excellent and there's a clear identity to... Obviously, we know how the team wants to play, but the targets that the manager wants to identify. And it's not at the stage that Celtic were a bit guilty of doing under a, a few managers going back. That it's getting near the end of the transfer window. You're signing guys on, you know, six month loan deals in, in the January or year long loan deals in the summer, just to sort of plug gaps. And it's all well and good at the time, but it just comes to the following season and you're shot again. You know, the, the players that did come in on loan. We've obviously seen they, they've left because it just it just didn't really work out. Or maybe not in the case it didn't work out with Jens, but they just they weren't really needed anymore for the squad. They weren't going to get the opportunities. 
and I think that that's just another way that Andrew's changed that most of the loans have really been a sort of try before you buy thing which I think is probably the most effective way to sort of treat that system so yeah I, I completely new identity to transfer windows and even though Andrew's obviously been in for you know over 18 months at this point now I'm still getting used to the business all being done sort of efficiently and straight away I was still expecting some sort of deadline day madness when I was a uh, doing the news the other night, even though it was only really, you know, just the odd player departing or whatever, but I was still expecting something, but not very happy that that's not the case. And, you know, after, was it, you know, we a good few days left in the transfer window, that all the business was done for Celtic and it was all sorted. Tony, there's a, there's a few comments here about the, the Parkhead DJ and potential future songs that, that he could play. <laughs> uh, and I saw a comment saying they were disappointed it wasn't Kylie. Kylie Minogue and at the next derby it should be, be Kylie Minogue right, well see that's the thing it was I should be so lucky but the first one that came into to me was uh, can't get you out of my head for Michael because <laughs> he's not, talk, not stopped talking about Celtic since he came in the door so I thought it was that but I should be so lucky with what as well now and by the way I'm loving this wham bam Cam Celtic during the transfer window, wham, right? Wham, wham. The wham bam cam. I'm loving that. You know, it's uh, you know, you get your business done early, as Sean said, just even before January it started, they had players in. So I'm liking the wham bam cam Celtic <laughs> through the transfer window. Brilliant, can you beat that kind of feeling? Kind of, you're not scrambling around and going absolutely mental, you know, trying to replace players that have valuable players that have left. Because you've allowed them to leave the door, like Jack and Marcus, you know, was in the building already. Jack and Marcus still hasn't concluded his deal, but you have a player there who's oven ready, as I said yesterday, and ready to go. And looks like he's going to bring a lot to the table. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, with that method of doing business, Sean. Aye, um, I don't know anybody that that seeks the drama that used to be. Yeah, look at the end of transfer window. Um, so no, I think Aiden's right. He's, it does take some getting used to after the after some uh, some previous January transfer windows or just transfer windows in general. But as I said to you yesterday, Tony, it would be disingenuous to suggest that January is always a bust for Celtic because there's been a lot of really yeah, yeah. signings made in January. But certainly that that season that shall not be named uh, the, the January transfer window at that point certainly sticks in the craw for a lot of people. Given again, as I said to you yesterday, that. Three of the kind of regular back four were loanies to end that season, which just just, just seems crazy. And they were John Joe Kenny Saint Duffy and Diego Laxalt. Eh? Yeah, that's right. That's astonishing, isn't it? That's absolutely astonishing that they allowed it to get to that. But hey, we've moved on since then. And you know, the, the proof in kind of Celtic's evolution will be when, if, if and when they get back into the Champions League. And we were talking about guys and made missing chances and all that. That's all part of the learning curve, Sean, isn't it? Yeah. That nobody will need to tell guys and made we get Celtic getting at the Champions League group stages again that when those chances come along that they'll have to be scored. Nobody mm-hmm. needs to tell the manager that. We're all aware of that. And I think that's what the Celtic fans are looking forward to now. If they can clinch the title, go straight into the, the group stages again and pick themselves up against the team of Europe to see what lessons have been learned if indeed you know the, the team has learned and they can show that by competing in that first year that they have learned lessons and, and they put it to good use. Exactly. I mean it's a problem itself to 
pretty much always going to face in Europe. Yeah. Because you play such a dominant style of football uh, domestically. You, you're better than every team domestically. You've got better players than every team domestically. So it's how you scale that to Champions League where you're not the best team and you might not have the ball as much. And despite your best efforts to play your football, other teams are better at exploiting your weaknesses. So it's about how well these players can scale that up to the Champions League. And the, he's right, Ange Postecoglou, when he said that after pretty much most of the team's first taste of Champions League football, they should be better when it comes to next season. You and if nothing else, sorry, Tony, if nothing else, yeah. going back to what I've been saying about Jim Goodwin, to go back to that again, yeah. if nothing else, no player in that dressing room is in any doubt that Ange Postecoglou thinks they can do it. Yes, there's yeah. nothing. There's nothing that he's ever said to them that suggests he doesn't think they're good enough to scale it up. Just that it's going to take them a bit of time to do it. Contrast that with, as I say, Jim Goodwin at Pitodri basically telling yeah. the world that his Aberdeen team weren't good enough to to play Celtic. Yes, Aidan, Celtic won't wrap up the you know the, the the form book. They will play the way they play in the Champions League. They won't wrap up their tactic schedule and all that. They'll they'll just do it. And as Sean said, they're the managers confident. And the belief that the players can do it and they will rise to it. Yeah, I think the fans probably are as well. I mean, I will be maybe expectations not the right word to use, but the fans will be hoping that, that the team can sort of get better results. And that the I, I really outsider, you know, Joe Hart, Cal McGregor, etc. We spoke about it at the time. There wasn't a lot of Champions League sort of experience in that squad, but the fact that they, a good chunk of them have had a season of that. Hopefully, it will be on the back of more domestic success as well. When you're starting next season, you add another sort of good six months or so for Ange to bed his ideas, if there's anything else that's really got to be added at this point in terms of him getting his points across. So, yeah, I, I'm really hopeful that if Celtic do win the league and they are in the Champions League next year, then the results will hopefully be better and they'll match sort of some of the performances that the players and the team are putting in. Sean? Any old business, any new business, anything else you wanted to bring up about last night? or No, I don't think so. In I general, think, um, I've shoved in your um, your detailed ratings. There's plenty of stuff on the website from last night as well. Uh, later on in the day, there'll be the, the stats bomb, kind of data roundup, all the kind of stats from the match. Uh, I'll put that together. So I keep, keep an eye on the website, basically. Excellent. Well, as I say, I'll just direct you to the bottom of your screen. And subscribe to the Celtic Way. It'll cost you two pounds for two months, and you can help us continue to produce top quality Celtic content covering a club like no other. You can join us www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And we say thank you to Seneca. The Celtic Way Morning Briefing is now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group, and Seneca are the number one hair transplant company in Europe and they offer innovative hair restoration treatments. And you can find out more about Seneca via the links in the description of this video. And we say thank you to them. Guys, thanks very much for your contribution today in the comments section. Real, Really enjoyed that. Uh, no doubt people will be making suggestions, Sean, for the Parkhead DJ. Uh, you've started something now. You've, you've unleashed that. So let's see where the chips fall on that one. But hey, yeah. It's uh, we can't do it without you guys. We appreciate it. We've got a, a wonderful community on the Celtic uh, way here, and we we do enjoy talking to you, Aidan. Thank you for your contribution, first class Cheers. as always. I always enjoy it, Sean. First class again, mate. Tremendous. 
guys, we shall see you tomorrow for a fabulous Friday. Hopefully, we'll preview the St. Johnston game, which is on Sunday. Yep. And uh, hopefully, Celtic can go to Perth. But what was that, Sean? Six clean sheets in a row? Yep. Love to see it. <laughs> Things you love to see, indeed. And Starfelt's been involved in all of them, hasn't he? Has he? Aye, has I? Because he switched yeah. over to the right centre back, didn't he? Aye. Yeah, just wanted to put that out there. Just mm -hmm. let people know. But yes, indeed. Celtic still nine points clear at the top of the Scottish Premiership table. Things you do like to see indeed, Sean. Mm -hmm. Thank you, guys. Thanks for your contribution. Enjoyed that today. Cheers, guys. Cheers.